Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilbra, and these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels, or IELTS from levels four to seven, or for those students who just want to improve their general English. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Practicing English. And today I have a treat for you. A treat that is spelt T R E A T. A treat which means something special. Something special. And what is special then? Well, I'm going to read you a poem. Now this poem. I remember hearing many, many years ago when I was at primary school. I suppose I was about nine or ten, and it was my headmaster, a Mr. Dipper, and he used to come and read stories to us and poems as well. Now, usually, when you're nine years old, you're not very interested in poetry. But some of the poems that he read were particularly fascinating, and this is one of them. It's by a poet called Robert Southey, who was a poet in the eighteenth century, and he wrote a series of adventure poems. And one of these I'm going to read you today. It is called the Inchcape Rock. Now, the reason, or one of the reasons, that I'm reading you this poem is because today I'm talking about the rhythm of English and how important it is to be able to apply the correct rhythm to your speech. Now, English is a language we call a stress-timed language. A stress-timed. Language, and perhaps it's unusual、uh, because many other European languages are syllable-timed, especially Latin-based languages like Spanish and Italian, for example. Each syllable, more or less, receives a similar stress. So, if I speak English now. In a syllable-timed way, it would sound like this. Yes, I am speaking in a syllable-timed way. I am speaking with all the words receiving. Sorry, I mean the syllables. They are receiving more or less the same amount of stress. Although it's difficult for me to do that, quite honestly, because it's quite difficult to speak English in that way. But this can be something which, if you can change it, can make your English sound so much more native English-like. I'm going to give you an example of how a stress-timed language works, how English works, 
and I'm going to read you a series of lines, and each line has one more syllable in it than the one before. Right? Okay. Let's listen. Dogs chase cats. Okay, you got that. Three beats, if you like. I mean, you can use your hand, a flat hand, and move it up and down. So, dogs chase cats, and I've moved my hand up and down three times for each of the syllables or each of the words, because each word is just one syllable here. Right. The next one is the dogs chase cats. Now, what I did then, I also moved my hand up and down three times. The dogs chase cats. Now, why? Because the the or the article is not an important word. What we do is that the words which are important in a sentence, the key meaning words, are those that receive the stress. And those little words in between, like articles and prepositions, other syllables in a word, do not receive stress. So I say, the dogs chase cats, and the almost disappears. So I still have three beats: the dogs chase cats, and then I'm going to add another syllable now: the dogs chase the cats. So I've added two more words. Sorry, one more word. I've added one more word there. Another the in front of cats. The dogs chase the cats. And now I'm going to add two more syllables. I'm going to put that into present continuous. The dogs are chasing the cats. The dogs are chasing the cats. So you'll notice there are still three beats there. Now I'm going to do this with a metronome. A metronome is one of those clicking things, a little arm which goes backwards and forwards, and it marks time. They use it, for example, a musician playing the piano to keep time to the music. They have a, a metronome to help them, so you maintain the same time throughout the piece of music that you're playing. So I'm going to use a metronome here. I'm going to switch it on, and I'm going to apply then the metronome beats to those phrases which I just read to you. So here we go. Dogs chase cats. The dogs chase cats. The dogs chase the cats. The dogs are chasing the cats. Okay, all right, I stop it. Well, there you go. I hope you realise that、um, there were three beats for each of those sentences with the metronome, and the beats fell on the three words: dogs chase cats. Dogs and cats being the nouns, so they are important meaning words, and the verb chase. So in the last one, for example, where I had the dogs are chasing the cats, well then the articles were without stress, and also the auxiliary verb are, and the 
ing syllable in chasing. So it was the dogs are chasing the cats. The dogs are chasing the cats. So we can't really even hear the R. Just a very brief sound. The dogs are chasing the cats. Um, I hope you get the point. Um, it's a, a very important one if you want to improve the sound of your spoken language. Okay, I'm going to read you a poem. And obviously, the wonderful thing about poems is that they also follow a beat. Now, it's easier with poetry because the syllables in each line are usually the same. So it's easier to do this in a stress-timed way. Um, even so, I think it's useful. And you'll notice then that when I read, the stress goes on those key words, nouns, verbs, adjectives if the adjectives are important. And negatives is another one as well. For example, if I said, I'm watching television, I'm watching television. So I've got, I watch television are the three stresses there. I'm watching television. But if I put that into the negative, well, then I will stress the negative words in there to make it clear that it's in the negative. I'm not watching television. I'm not watching television. So negative words in a sentence, for example, the auxiliary don't or doesn't or didn't, will also receive stress normally. So I'm going to read you this lovely poem then. It's called The Inchcape Rock, as I've already said, and it's a poem about a pirate. It goes back to the 14th century. There was this pirate called Sir Ralph the Rover, and he was a particularly evil man. The story takes place off the coast of Scotland, where there were and still are some dangerous sandbanks and rocks, which were a problem for shipping. The ships going past there could hit these sandbanks or these rocks when there was fog or mist. There was an abbot, so that is a religious man, an abbot, A-double-B-O-T, and he was the abbot of Aberbrothok. And what he did, he put a float anchored to the bottom of the sea in the place where the sandbanks were with a large bell on it that rang as the waves rocked the float. And so ships going past in the fog could hear the bell and steer clear of the rocks. That is actually a true story. And this poem is based on this uh, wonderful character called Sir Ralph the Rover, the pirate, who cut the rope. He cut the rope just to be nasty so that ships would run into the sandbank, hit the rocks there and sink and everybody would be killed. And he thought that was very funny. So that's the uh, basis of the story. I haven't made any changes to this poem. It's in the transcript at practicingenglish.com. You may need to look up words, perhaps, uh, to understand every word of it. But I hope if you have a B2 level, 
that you should be able to understand most of the poem. Okay, so here we go. And notice, notice the rhythm as I go through. In fact, I'll put the metronome on just for the first couple of verses, and then I'll switch it off. All right? But So you just get the idea of how poetry and our normal speech is based on rhythm. Okay, so here we go. No stir in the air, no stir in the sea. The ship was still as she could be. Her sails from heaven received no motion. Her keel was steady in the ocean. Now I'm going to turn off the metronome, but I will keep up with the same rhythm. And I'll start again, actually. <laughs> right, so you have the whole poem without the metronome ticking behind. No stir in the air, no stir in the sea. The ship was still as she could be. Her sails from heaven received no motion. Her keel was steady in the ocean. Without either sign or sound of their shock, the waves flowed over the Inchcape Rock. So little they rose, so little they fell, they did not move the Inchcape Bell. The worthy abbot of Aberbrothok had placed that bell on the Inchcape Rock. On a boy in the storm it floated and swung, and over the waves its warning rung. When the rock was hid by the surge's swell, the mariners heard the warning bell, and then they knew the perilous rock and blessed the abbot of Aberbrothok. The sun in the heaven was shining gay, all things were joyful on that day. The seabirds screamed as they wheeled around, and there was joyance in their sound. The boy of the Inchcape Bell was seen, a darker speck on the ocean green. Sir Ralph the Rover walked his deck, and fixed his eye on the darker speck. He felt the cheering power of spring, it made him whistle, it made him sing. His heart was mirthful to excess, but the rover's mirth was wickedness. His eye was on the Inchcape float. Quoth he, My men put out the boat, and row me to the Inchcape rock, and I'll plague the abbot of Aberbrothok. The boat is lowered, the boatmen row, and to the Inchcape rock they go. Sir Ralph bent over from the boat, and he cut the bell from the Inchcape float. Down sank the bell with a gurgling sound. The bubbles rose and burst around. Quoth Sir Ralph, the next who comes to the rock won't bless the abbot of Aberbrothok. Sir Ralph the rover sailed away. He scoured the seas for many a day. And now, grown rich with plundered store, he steers his course for Scotland's shore. 
so thick a haze o'erspreads the sky, they cannot see the sun on high. The wind hath blown a gale all day, at evening it hath died away. On the deck the rover takes his stand, so dark it is they see no land. Quoth Sir Ralph, It will be lighter soon, for there is the dawn of the rising moon. Canst hear, said one, the breakers roar, for methinks we should be near the shore. Now where we are I cannot tell, but I wish we could hear the Inchcape bell. They hear no sound, the swell is strong, though the wind hath fallen they drift along, till the vessel strikes with a shivering shock, Oh, Christ, it is the Inchcape Rock! Sir Ralph the Rover tore his hair. He cursed himself in his despair. The waves rush in on every side. The ship is sinking beneath the tide. But even in his dying fear, one dreadful sound could the Rover hear, a sound as if with the Inchcape bell, the devil below was ringing his knell. Wonderful poem by Robert Southey, The Inchcape Rock. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>